Hello, hello. What is up, everybody? Welcome to a very, very special edition of Opening Set Podcast with your boy. This is King Most, my man, John Reyes, as always, making things sound and go right. Today's special guest, oh man, um, I don't even know how else to introduce him. He's the one and only Sir Rich Medina. But first, before we jump into this amazing conversation, here's a little housekeeping for you all. Follow us on all socials at Opening Set. You know, that's on Instagram, SoundCloud, MixCloud, and anywhere else you, you know, get your content. Reach out to us, Podcast at Gmail as well. And to introduce today's very awesome guest, he goes by Rich Medina. He's a DJ, academic, voiceover actor, and just really kind of the big bro to a lot of DJs uh, all around the world. And as always, every time Rich Medina speaks, he drops a ton of jewels. And here's his uh, awesome comparison between competitive sports and the competitive nature of DJing. Preparation is the king of the universe, right? So not nervous in the sense of being unprepared, but like nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants to be the guy to shoot an air ball in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? It happens. It fucking happens, though. So you basically perform every, even though you're the headliner and you're flown out and you're Rich Medina, the, the, your name is in light, you still take on every set like it was your first time DJing. You better, because it might fuck around and be your last. Nobody give a fuck about your feelings. Get it done, B. Is that Philly? That's a playing ball for great fucking coaches. Like, dude, put the rock in the hole. Get out from between your ears and get in the damn game. You on this position, you touch the ball this many times because of how you're made. Put the fucking rock in the hole. What's wrong with you? If you don't score, we got issues. I'm gonna have to sit you. Don't care if your parents are in the crowd, if you're not causing disruption for the defense and not paying attention and playing your position, you're gonna sit. And the dude that's been busting your ass in practice all week is finally gets his fucking chance. And he's thirsty as a motherfucker. And you just made some kind of self-inflicted error that you, all of this could have been avoided if you were just paying attention. You know, dealing with somebody that'll talk to you like that under pressure is everything. That's how we get better, right? Further in the discussion, we talk about the function of parties and having to support the venue. Uh, and specifically, we talk about Legendary Club APT from New York City, being an American, traveling abroad, and it gives you the secret to rocking a wedding. And if you can't tell from my enthusiasm, Rich Medina is one of my DJ heroes. I think just one of my heroes in life in general. And in our conversation, he talks about you know having integrity, sticking true to your art form, and how you can be successful, you know, coloring out the lines musically as a DJ. And, be able to travel the world and experience things that we can only dream about. And if you want to know more about Rich Medina, you can find him on Instagram, SoundCloud. Just Google his name, Rich Medina. He's He's got his business together. And most importantly, when he comes to your town or your country, which he probably will, go to his party, open mind, be willing to dance, and I guarantee you will have an amazing time. You will not regret it. So here we go. We go about an hour. Rich Medina, opening set podcast. Thanks. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Opening Set. I normally call this a podcast, but I think today it'll be a discussion because we got one of the five pillars of DJing. One of my heroes. Wow. I salute you. Am I overwhelming you already? Holy shit. <laughs> that voice, that buttery smooth voice is my friend, my big brother, Rich Medina. Sir Rich Medina, thank you for coming through. What's up, brother? What's up, oh, man? Great to see you. Yes, y'all. let's adapt. Let's adapt. Great to be here. Thank you for having some fuel in the tank still. You yeah, spent man. the past 72 plus hours ripping through the Bay Area. Yeah, it's been dope. Thank you for saying that. It's been really dope. Thursday was a speaking engagement. Yes. Friday was a dealer tribute party. Yes. And then Saturday was home. Indeed. And all three completely different things. 
Yeah, it's been a long time with the Bay, you know, coming yeah. out here and uh, relationships I got with all you guys. After all this time, you're still Kenny here. Cop is like, yeah, let's do it back to back. To okay, back, I'll do it. Let's do it. It was great. Yeah. Still great. Yeah, you know, still here, rocking. Because you travel the world so much, I don't want to say it's your second home, but this is one of your many, many, many homes. You've hung your hat here enough times where you yeah, familiar. I got big love for the Bay. And praise God, the Bay's shown me a whole lot of love over the years. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, man, I'm here as often as the Bay will have me. As the, long as the you know the checks come in, yeah, and, and relationships, <laughs> you know, yeah, just the work too. Yeah, yeah, let's get that work. But you know, I got real friends out here yeah. that I got through the game. So you know, it's a big deal. Yeah, I was gonna ask this later, but is that a hard thing in DJing? At, at you know your age and your, your point in your career, is it hard to maintain friends, make new friends? How does friendship kind of play in, in your world? You know, every <laughs> I guess when you're in the public space, you know, if you're a, a public figure of sorts, we are public figures of sorts, right? So there's a whole bunch of energy that you absorb if you're leading or conducting the space, right? So, you know, yeah, you absorb a lot of energy and you got to put it on a curve, I think. You know, you got to put it on a bell curve. There's some people in your life who are associates, you know, you see this person at this place at this time, y'all do this type of thing. The nod, That's the dab. how y'all rock. Keep it moving. You might not know their name for years. Ooh, but, <laughs> I haven't seen you last night. It happens, that yeah. In the spot, every time you see the homie, it's that dap, it's warm, it's clear. You know, that's an associate of yours, and that's not a condescending thing. It's what it is. And you have people that you break bread with. You have people that you don't do anything musical or creative with, you know, so... You know, your friendships are where you find them after a while. You know, I guess when you get grown, definitely start picking your shots a little better and trying your best to recognize the difference between your friends and your associates, you know, and crossing business and friendship is a slippery slope, as we all know. But if you know, if you're being a friend to your friend, you know, the best thing you can do is just be honest no matter what the situation is going to end up being because, you know, it's going to come out anyway. Yeah. Do you have just regular friends that don't DJ, don't do music? They sell State Farm Insurance. And Absolutely. You're a piece in the pod. Absolutely. And do they kind of look at your life as odd or just like, wow, you're going to Vienna or you're going to Brazil or Yeah, Dubai? you get it the whole thing. Some people like, dude, I would have never known people that I met in college that wouldn't have known what I was doing before college and people I've known since childhood that seeing me messing with records since we were in the eighth grade. You know, yeah, definitely. And you get the whole range. But praise God, most of the people I interact with that I've known in the way that you just described, they're just like, do your shit, man. You know, stay focused, stay healthy. Shit looks good on you. Keep doing your shit, man. You know, proud of you. And stop by the house this Christmas. Come we through. have a plate. Yeah, yeah. come through and get a plate. <laughs> yeah, you bring know? the Tupperware back from last year, by if the way. on a plane, you know you need to come by the crib. You oh, know, man. yeah, absolutely. Obviously, our lives are, we're on different levels, you know, but like, we share the thing that it's cool to have just regular ass people in your life that can you can call and you can depend on that outside of music and we'll have you back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we this is the entertainment business. You know what I'm saying? The business of entertainment. And we're trying to present people with a good time. And a lot of people take the craft very personally. Even people who don't DJ take that shit super personal. You know what I mean? In a good way. So it becomes this blurring of lines of, are you dealing with someone that is a craftsman or someone who loves the craft? Can they speak the craft? Can they perform the craft? What side of the equation are they on? Are you a dancer that likes DJing? Are you a DJ that can or can't dance? You have all those lines being blurred all the time. And I think that kind of enters 
the space that you're talking about, about how do you make friends and keep friends because the lines all get blurred. Yeah. You know? And also there's things like physical distance. Like I'm just not around to nurture this friendship or right. I'm busy. Like I'm not blowing you off, but I have to go do this thing. Right. Like, and the internet got people <laughs> fucked up. You know, if, you, if everybody wants to fucking microwave every response, everything they say to you has to have a microwave response. Bing, you know, oh, I texted you at two o'clock. Well, nigga, I was busy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I had my hands tied. Like I don't mean no disrespect, you know, whatever. And yeah, people be in their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? I mean, that, I think that's the era we're in right now is that yeah. everything's instant. And yeah, I guess what's presented is not the best version of our life, but also may not be the most accurate sometimes. Yeah. You know, so as a culture right now, we're slowly picking that out. Like the social media stuff can make you sick or sad or depressed or angry or anxious or things like that. Or the consummate voyeur and armchair critic. <laughs> we all do this shit. I mean, let's keep it on it. Everybody fucking does it. Flipping through your feed, like, that's whack. That's dope. <laughs> nah, that's pretty interesting. Oh, that's whack. Oh, look at this guy. Look at you this know? guy. Everybody does it. With their memes. Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. does it. It's like cigarettes, it's like alcohol, it's like television, anything else that we tie ourselves to to make us feel connected. You know, this feeling that we have to have to be connected. It causes people to fill up the space too much sometimes. Sometimes you just got to let shit be quiet. With all the traveling that you do and just things in your life, you do like a, a cleanse or a disconnection at some point or you just kind of keep it going and, you know, make sure it doesn't get too just much Just try to you. dial it into the day. You know what I mean? Just try to dial it into the day. You know, just like you got to get food and you got to get sleep. You know, there comes a moment where you got to pump your brakes and shut the fuck up for a minute. You know what I <laughs> mean? It's just like, not even because your people are stressing me or not even none of that shit. Just part of your rhythm, you know, like drinking water. You got to do that shit, you know. If you don't do it, shit going to get rusty. It is what it is. So to maintain, yeah, just take those moments as they come. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. You know, take it as you can get it. Because the idea of like, oh, you know, in a month, I'm going to go away for 30 days and I'm going to leave my phone on the bed. And I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying? No, you're like, not. No, nah, sorry. You got to leave your phone for like New year, hours. new me. Fuck out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but time is an arbit it's an arbitrary number. It's, some, yeah. it's People come made on, that dude. up and that shouldn't yeah. be your reason to do something right. Time is precious, man. I try to make the most of my time. Try to put as much content in my time as possible. And whenever I got a chance and I'm not concerned about following through on a responsibility to my son or to some work or something serious, just hit the reboot, man. Yeah. Restart the computer. So you're big on self-care then? Trying to be. Trying learning, to Learning, figuring that shit out, you know, <laughs> step by step. Yeah. You know? Was there anything, was it just a gradual thing or was it just like, I need to maybe kind of chill out? Was there anything specific? Becoming a dad. Plain and simple. That shit will grow your ass up. It'll grow your ass up or it'll show you that you ain't ready for prime time. <laughs> it's universal law. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you, profound, you'd you know be skeptical I mean? of any father that goes, I got this. Oh, father, being a father was easy and you'd be like, you're not a good dad? No, it's not about my definition of what a good dad is. It's about your point about what was it and what it was was looking at somebody that is now dependent on my every move. My accountability has magnified yeah. greatly all of a sudden. I, I, well, that's probably your son calling right now. <laughs> Wait, who's that? That is. Children. I don't want nobody with me. 
That shit's cold, man. That, by the way, for the listeners, that was Brandy and her aunt. What's her name again? Jennifer Lewis. Yes. Saying, don't fuck with me in these streets. And It's it, been my ringtone for a hot minute. Yeah. It's, it's so fitting that my phone rang. <laughs> we were talking about what we were talking about. And yeah, you know, when my son was born, I was like, yeah, that's just really that simple. I don't want nobody fucking with me in these streets. Wait, was that your I son calling? No. Huh? That was no, your son. Okay, okay. okay. All right. Well, I'm saying, like, awesome. I, I got to get home. Yeah. You know? I got shit to do. Yeah. I guess he went from, you know, the, the DJ lifestyle, waking up when you wake up, basically everything centered around more or less you and your career. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. And yeah, it's like, oh shit. But I definitely can say I didn't, you know, I didn't give up the life mm, you did not. for parenting. You know what I mean? I put it into my lifestyle. Now I have a child. Okay. I still love my job. Things are still moving in, in an upward direction. I feel like I'm still growing. I feel like I'm still getting better. I'm being more selective about the people around me and keeping me from coloring outside the line. So why am I going to stop? I love what I do. Yeah. You've and, gotten taller. Yeah. yeah. You know, I grew a couple of inches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. a hairline next year. It's going to be great. Hey, in, in, in the year 2018, anything is fucking possible, anything dude. It really, possible. there's no lines anymore. It's just, you know, yeah, yeah it's say that for better or for worse. Right, that's going to be my first question, actually. Um, you know, you're here Thursday. You did a speaking engagement. You do all these things. Are all these things all plan A's? Are they all equal footing? Or at one point, they kind of shift around. They kind of flew it. Like, okay, I'm now more a party organizer with home or, or with Jumpin' Funk. Or now I'm more DJ guy right now. Or now I'm more hip-hop DJ than house DJ. Or now I'm more public speaker. Is there a hierarchy at all? Or they just kind of come as they go? Obviously, my cash cow, for lack of a better way to put it, has been DJing for a good minute. You know, that's where if people know me, now or anything <laughs> they know me as a disc jockey some people who know me as a disc jockey don't know anything about my writing some people who like my, word. some people who like my writing don't go to the club you know i've been into music and culture my whole life and uh i don't think i put them in hierarchy as much as i know that now it's time for me to kind of expand my game a little bit you know and try to create some more passive income you know and that can be done through a variety of channels, you know, merchandise, speaking engagements, consultation, whatever, anything, just being open to opportunities. And I've had some really good opportunities fall in my lap over the last 10 years in the area of education and some voiceover work and my production and having an opportunity to let those other things uh, have some space and see what they're going to be. Yeah. Is that the eventual world when you kind of get, I say this with respect, to me, I think you're at like the top of the DJ list. There's you oh, and there's like, you, you know, Vince Spina and then Kenny Dope. Is that the eventual thing where music kind of hits a ceiling for you now you have to start kind of branching out or is that just more, you know, just to I got a 10-year-old kid at home. You know, if I'm going to be putting myself 30,000 feet above the planet, for X amount of hours and absorbing all of these energies and doing all this stuff, which is good stuff, but I'm risking my life and being away from the main reason I'm even here. You know, my concern is being present with my kid, plain and simple. So if I got to work some other things out in my wheelhouse that'll have me physically around more, I'm going after that. And luckily, education and speaking is starting to become something consistent for me. I think the first time I knew about your educational background, I saw your TED Talk. That was what, oh, seven, wow. eight years ago? 2011, yeah. Okay. I do. When I saw that, I was like, to me, it opened so many worlds and light bulbs went off because I realized 
there is a life outside of, if you're a DJ, there's a life outside of that. <clears throat> if you're a music person, there's life outside of that. And that TED talk to me was so dope. And actually I was in between, I was really thinking of going to college and I saw that and I was like, okay, you can still be the record guy, but also educate people. And then I think shortly after that, you started teaching your hip hop history class. Yeah. Were you kind of intimidated doing that? or Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, bro. You know, no question. Uh, you know, <laughs> preparation is the king of the universe, right? So not nervous in the sense of being unprepared, but like, yo, this is a different platform. You know, yeah, I've been doing poetry and performing and speaking to people for eons, whatever. I've been an athlete my whole life, whatever. I'm not funny about attention or crowds, but a slip of the tongue or a lapse in concentration or judgment on that platform and you look like a fucking jerk off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants to be the guy shoot an air ball in the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It happens. It fucking happens, though. So, yeah, absolutely. Shook. <laughs> you know? Fucking butterflies the size of fucking helicopters in my stomach. Uh-huh. Of course. For the TED Talk or for the, the hip-hop history class? But All of it. The mm-hmm. TED Talk, Last night's party. Really? You still get nervous? Forever. Yeah. Damn. Here's a chance to show people that don't know you who you are. Here's a chance to show people who have been listening to you that you're still grafting. You're still in the woodshed. You're not sitting Coasting. on your... Nah, fuck that. You know? So you basically perform every... Even though you're the headliner and you're flown out and you're Rich Medina, the, the, your name is in light, you still take on every set like it was your first time DJing. You better, because it might fuck around and be your last. Mm. It ain't sweet out here. Anybody <laughs> could get knocked the fuck out, bro. Uh-huh. And is that... Is that <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is that because the stakes are higher or is that because... It's because there's a cold fucking world out here. You know, you were at the conversation the other night. Nobody give a fuck about your feelings. <laughs> get it done, B. Is that Philly? Is get that, it is done that Philly don't. coming out? Right? That's an athlete. Okay. Competitor. That's good coaches. That's a playing ball for great fucking coaches. Like, dude, put the rock in the hole. Get out from between your ears and get in the damn game. you on this position. You touch the ball this many times because of how you're made. Put the fucking rock in the hole. What's wrong with you? If you don't score, we got issues. I'm going to have to sit you. I don't care if your parents are in the crowd. <laughs> if you're not causing disruption for the defense and not paying attention and playing your position, you're going to sit. And the dude that's been busting your ass in practice all week is finally gets his fucking chance. And he's thirsty as a motherfucker. And you just made some kind of self-inflicted error that all of this could have been avoided if you were just paying attention. You know, dealing with somebody that'll talk to you like that under pressure is everything. Mm-hmm. So we get better, right? Yeah. Well, you get better. It's like that thing we were texting about, the iron sharpens iron. Like, you're not going to, I'm not going to become a better person, you know, and you just kind of being mediocre as fuck. Or, right. Yeah. Or me being a mediocre attendee at your party, that's going to kind of, it kind of lowers the, the bar for everyone in a way. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's temperature gauges and speedometers galore, right? Say your car goes 100 miles an hour. If your man's car only goes 87 miles per hour, <laughs> uh-huh. is that anybody's fault? Does that make your car better? It definitely makes it faster. But how long can you go that fast? Maybe he can go 87 miles an hour, 25 more hours, then you can go 100. You know, But on your way pulling away from him, you're popping shit. 
<laughs> you know, and then you catch a flat tire and he just creep by you later like, yeah, what's up, B? So uh, you, you, yeah. you played all your bangers at 1130. Right oh, on. Got, got you. You got three hours left. Got him. <laughs> got him. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's a thing. You see that shit happen to people. You see shit catch up with people. You see shitty dispositions being paid back with isolation. So, yeah, you got to stay humble and pay attention to what the fuck is going on. Stay in that woodshed sharpening. Yeah. Or don't. You know, and get your skirt lifted up. <laughs> Anybody. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking shit. That's law. And you're not just talking DJing. I, I, want, I want fans to know, like, listeners, like, this is not just DJing. This is like that's real life. That's not a Medina-ism. I got a couple of isms. That's not an ism. That's just fucking facts. And accepting that keeps you in a coachable state, mm -hmm. I believe. We were talking about the party, like, last night. And, and uh, I know you throw a lot of different events. Besides, you know, music and giving a, yourself a platform what is kind of the role of of the party to you let's say you, you what are your, your current parties right now are i do a party called the originals with dj clark kent tony touch stretch armstrong and d nice oh, up and coming guys yeah yeah, yeah they're, yeah, they're out might, there you might google them yeah <laughs> he's, he's awesome <laughs> yeah they're, they're all, that guy yeah that guy uh -huh. uh, jumping funk uh -huh. which i've been doing for the last 16 years little ricky's my APT party, that brand is always We're, we're going to talk about APT. There. We will talk about APT in a Props minute. with my man, Acalypse, who was, used to be upstairs at APT, and we did props together for years now. Just did my first annual Little Ricky's boat cruise in New York last summer, which was incredible. I th who was who on that? I want, actually, I think I saw on IG, and I was like, yo, I want to come out to this. It, it was, was me, Spinner, Bobito, uh, Language. Chairman Mao and Leps. That's kind of the APT family. Building. Pretty much like the residents that were available to be on the boat this year. Uh -huh. And then last night... Uh, last night was a new brand of mine called Home. Been doing that for like three years. Yeah. It's kind of like my uh, opportunity to get into that Paradise Garage bag, you know, that loft bag, that just body and soul shelter, that all everything that those things represent for me, that's what home is for. Yeah, and for listeners, when he says the Paradise, that's kind of disco, early house, proto house. Well, it's the whole, the, the loft, music. the gallery, Paradise Garage are all the mothers and fathers of the whole reason we even do this shit. Plain and simple. So, does I do you do that party because obviously you love the music, and is is it more an ode or to kind of keep that music alive to younger audiences, or is it maybe all those things and something else? It's all of those things and something else. You know, I mean, I grew up in that. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Lakewood, New Jersey. I grew up in Skate Keys, Anzabar, Club Twelve. I was lucky enough to experience that. You know, to hear you know Shet Pettibone and oh, Tony Humphries yeah. and Ernie Kendall and you know, local, you know, Jersey superheroes, let alone everything that New York represents. Growing up in the 70s and 80s on the East Coast, you know, just steeped in that. Philadelphia is right down the way. Gambling Huff, Hall of Notes, Blue Eye Soul, South Soul, Jersey Mass Choir, all the entirety of the New Jersey black church musician and vocalist world. You know, both sides of my family are deep in that. So I don't know if I so much as like, I'm trying to keep this alive and pass it on to younger generations. Like, no, like this music is important music and it's a vast majority of it is about freedom and happiness and love and exploration and, you know, clear communication. And people need that type of vocabulary right now. You know, that everything turned up and everybody barking at each other. And all, <laughs> you know, it's just, 
there's other feelings. Yeah. Yeah. There's other, yeah. It's also your, your DNA. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. people's DNA, I think. Uh, yeah. It's some of my favorite space to play. Okay. And I want to jump back to uh, Little Ricky's Rib Shack and APT. Because I think you had me as a guest one time. Yep. Thank you for that. I really suck. I looked back. I really did a whack job, dude. Nah, man. Nah, it was cool. I played way too fast, too early, and I was playing Boogie. And I want to say at the time, not to say that Boogie didn't exist in other areas, but I think that was more like a too much of a Bay Area, West Coast thing. Yeah. And but I, at the same time, from my side, that's it's dope because, you know, you're from the other side of the country. Uh -huh. One of your first times playing in New York yeah. and this yeah, is dude. how y'all get down. You know, people got a taste of that uh -huh. and that that's was, important. Yeah, I, I, was, I look back and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> and then instantly you got on and you just slowed everything down. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you like just echoed it out and you played uh, that Boston of Adilla track and then I remember like these two guys gave you daps over the booth and I'm just staying there like, Okay. I think I've been like Rob Band, Message to the Stars before. And I'm like, God damn it, Patrick. Like, you, nah, I was great. Man. Yeah, I was, you know, I, again, man, I, I'm just glad I can admit that I sucked. And I, and I learned something from it. I'm not going to be like, yo, I crushed that shit. Open up a bridge. Yo, and, you remember when I killed it? Yeah, that night, yeah. Son? And we got drunk. We like, got fucked up. Yeah. It's like, dude, no, Patrick, stop. Just keep it real with yourself, man. But yeah, so I think APT, I, for the people that are listening that don't recall APT, Man, I saw it from a person from the West Coast, in the Bay Area. And I thought, like, man, all these DJs, like, Monday, you could see this amazing DJ. Tuesday, see these amazing DJs. Wednesday, it was your night. And Thursday, it'd be freaking, you know, LCD Sound System. And Saturday would be Monk. And all these crazy DJs that were like, how can these people all exist at the same time? And just talking to people in the past, it was this complete, crazy, you know, pre-gentrification of New York era. Yeah. Giuliani era, right? Yeah. Tell me some more about APT, man. As a first-hand person, you had a weekly there. I started playing at APT. This was the end of 2000 or early 2001 mm -hmm. when they opened. I don't know who came first, but I know that they had booked Language mm -hmm. and Bobito. Mm -hmm. And my name came up and I got a chance to meet the management. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, you want a DJ here? You can play on Wednesday night. And did they no know? Do they know it's going to be something hot, or just like we got this bar? You want to come play, or is it? Yeah, I think it was a coming together of a really perfect storm because you know the management down had a real vested interest in making the place something particular, not like five star special or expensive, just particular. You know, like we weren't allowed to hand out flyers when we were hand out flyers in New York the venue management got angry with us. But I was coming into APT with a relationship with the fader because I was writing for the fader at the time. So Omid Fatimi. Yeah, Omid. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless Omid and Damian Bullock and, you know, John Carmonica, all those guys who were at Cornerstone and fader all got behind me throwing this party. So it was an idea of promotion, but APT didn't want it. So I held, it was that to have you know, the promotional arm and opportunity of a machine like the fader with guys like Omid and Damien with their hands on the wheel. And the venue is like, what are you doing? Stop handing out flyers. Tell people the street address and shut the fuck up. You know, so it's like a throwback to the idea of being in the know. If you don't know, you need to find out. And if you don't know, maybe you're not supposed to know. This is for the people that know. And this is how we're going to do it. And these are the protocols of how the space is going to operate. 
and this is how things are going to go or you're not going to be here. Yeah, I was there for, you know, 300 bucks a week for a year and change. Well, 260 after taxes. Yeah, okay. 225. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck around. We're in a different bracket, yeah, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, but at the same time, I was there for 300 bucks a week. I was cultivating my first opportunity to show New York what I got on a platform that I hadn't been on before. Yeah. I had a residency at Good World. I had a residency at Fun with DJ Language. I played a gang of places as a gun for hire in New York through the 90s. But APT gave me a chance to like, all right, this is a white canvas. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. And cool. I'm in New York. I've been chasing New York as a club kid my entire life. Getting in New York clubs before I was legal. So my relationship with New York is very particular. You know, I never lived in New York, but people that see me working in New York assume that I live there. I had a dude just a couple of weeks ago, like, yo, you need a ride? I'm like, you, you going to take me to the Ben Franklin Bridge money? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, I thought you lived in Brooklyn. Like, nah, B, I live in Philadelphia. So that chance, 300 bucks, 100 bucks, I don't give a shit. I got six months to prove myself in this room, to prove that I can put bodies in this room bet put bodies in the room and show up and play you're also talking about resident vocabulary you were talking about how do you put things in hierarchy or do i put these different i don't i'm a resident disc jockey i've been building parties from the ground up for a long time i'm not afraid of playing for the bartenders and the bar backs and security for an hour and a half before the room fills i'm the same fucking dude i do the same shit the way you see me coming out here with the headline stuff, like what you were saying, you would assume it's some echelon shit. But the only reason there's even a chance for that conversation to happen is because of all these residencies that you just asked me about. Because I built them shits barehanded from the ground up. Some were butt naked for two years before it clicked. I mean, APT, the first six months, you know, it was 30 people in there. And what was the capacity then? Legally, I think... Let's say 120. And that was maybe. the downstairs room, right? And downstairs. Okay. I'm probably even exaggerating with that. Yeah. Right yeah. But that place is mad. It's probably almost, it's like the size of the room. Almost. Yeah. I felt but like it was it. half full yeah. for two, three months. There wasn't any point where the manager was like, yo, Rich, can nah. you? they trusted you. We had a deal. Okay. Six months, put some energy in this fucking room. Weekly for six months, I'm in there playing, you know. While we're building it, I'm building a relationship with security. I'm building a relationship with the bartenders. I'm building a relationship with management. They all know I'm coming from Philadelphia. I'm there before everybody. I'm oh, so you're still coming day. from Philly? Yeah. Every week? Oh, my God. So Absolutely. And they knew that. Coming, I've been traveling to New York to work oh, from Philadelphia since 92. Okay. My bad. I thought at some point you were like, yo, I'm in Brooklyn right now to do this week. And you still were traveling no, back and still forth. Still to this, to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, the, that's the whole thing, you know? So... APT gave me a chance, and I've been looking for that chance. I've been following all of New York's finest disc jockeys and finest club promoters and personalities since I was a teenager. And here I got an opportunity to have my own thing in a meatpacking district. Like you said, pre-gentrification. It was, it was, you know, it was being gentrified, but it didn't turn into Los Angeles. Yeah, it wasn't one day yoga way mat. later. Yeah, <laughs> for, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what. That's feel. That's always a joke. Like, oh, Soul Cycle yoga mat. 
uh, high-end copy place. Da, da. So after six months, finally, numbers got better. Numbers got better. Numbers got better. So what, what was like the moment that kind of tilted over the other side? Like, okay, I got some shit now, finally. Well, the 30 people that was in there in the early part were all players, all tastemakers, fellow DJs, dancers, B-boys, B-girls, club kids, club personalities. We all been knowing each other and dealing with each other all these years. But APT's got this kind of membership vibe to it, you know, so people hadn't really got their head around the fact that all you got to do is show up and say why you're there and it's okay. Yeah, so I'm like here because I give a shit about the music. private door thing, you yeah. know, that was going on that spooked people at first. Then it clicked for all of us. You know, I think some of the New York guys like Kenny and Bob and Spinner, their thing was clicking a little bit different than mine. The night of the week, their mass appeal, who they are, the things that they've done in New York and for New York prior to that party are enormous. But I was still earning and people were coming out and talking about it and it was started doubling up and tripling up and next thing you know the place is rammed all night every week and what was the soundtrack because you did it for so many years i'm sure like the sound somewhat evolved and it was fluid give an idea what we were playing every week i mean it was really always like a tempo disposition you know it wasn't so much about the genre obviously it always some b-boy shit from the gate but it's a tempo disposition you know early on it's not so loud but it's groovy and you know, it's not boogie. Warm you up, you know, get you in the pipe. It's not boogie. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I see four or five of those dance type cats in there and I could give them some of that so they can spread out before the place gets full, then boogie till it's time to not. Yeah. You know, give them seven, eight joints, let them spread out, get their thing off. They might split before the room even gets full, but they'll come back the next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just simply because you gave them that. Yeah, you were kind of developing relationships, not just behind the booth, but on the dance floor as well. Like, oh, these that's are the homies. Do. Yeah, that's what we do. Okay, that's the law. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not deep for that. Yeah, I think for me, I forget that. I think maybe a lot of DJs forget that that there it's is law, fam. Yeah, it's law. If you don't know what's going on out there, what are you doing? Well, I know you're like reading the not crowd, that, and I'm not implying that you don't. Oh, you're no, just I, doing I, it intuitive. You know, it's so ingrained now; it doesn't sit out in the front of your mind. But it, it's what it is. For me, it's almost like time. Like I, it's almost like a basketball. Like I watch the clock. Okay, it's third quarter. We start doing this. All right, we go till two o'clock. Sorry, twelve o'clock, eleven o'clock. We start playing this. One, it's this. Nine o'clock is this. But you're saying the tempo disposition. So you would start at say what ten o'clock the other night, mm -hmm. BPM wise. What we're we talking about. You know, might be playing some slow jams. I don't know. Might be playing slow jams. Might be playing groovy classic rap samples that people haven't heard the whole joint front to back. They know the loop. They know the chop. They recognize it. Ooh, ah. But they had no idea it was such a beautiful song around that sample dealing with all of that, you know? And then peak time was what? It depends. You know, once APT was rocking, the room was multi-orgasmic. You know, it would be an 11.30 peak. It would be a 12.15 peak flatline a place, dead air, start a whole different disposition, another fucking peak, you know? I mean, at least that's the goal. Yeah. You, uh, the, the, you say the flatline thing, that kind of reminds me of what you did last time you played, that jazz version of Nirvana. You wanted to kind of cleanse the palate, build it up again. That's such a rare thing in DJing nowadays. And I, I, I'm guilty of it too. Like I rarely just, I just keep going up, 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 up. Okay, it's 145, mellow it out. Mm. Is that something you learned? You saw that, you just tried it and it worked? I mean, that's a pretty crazy idea, especially in the age where you got to kill it, kill it, kill it as a DJ. I mean, I listened to David Mancuso play at a very young age and David Mancuso didn't mix at all. Songs are played, tail to snout. Room reacts, start the next song. 
selecting is just as important as can you mix? Can you cut? Can you exploit these new machines? Can you exploit the technology or not? We all got a little bit of cursory wheelhouse in all of it, but control, exercise and control, you know, when you can, when you've let the room control the energy, you know, you heard me yesterday just taking the drums away or taking the bottom end of the song away or even taking the vocals away and just letting people feel the tune or sing the part of the song that they like. It gives people ownership. Yeah. Also space. Yeah. Yeah. It gives people ownership in the interaction. So after they've felt their ownership and you're like, okay, cool. Feels good, right? Great. Check this out. <laughs> Think that felt good? Here's the fucking curveball. Why not? We just had an hour long finishing each other's sentences from the dance floor to the booth. Cool. Let's get a glass of water real quick. It's a bit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it reminded me of that law in music of like tension and release. There's a crescendo, there's a build, and then there's resolve, and you start it back up at the top of the song. I mean, each tune is a build, is a climax, is a representation of a, some type of perspective that you're trying to get across. You know, I've never bought into the model of like, well, you know, when I'm playing here, I have to play this. You know, like I've heard that a million times, and I understand it, I respect it for why people apply it, but I don't believe in it at all. <laughs> it just it just doesn't. You can, you can give a shit. It's not that you don't give a shit. It's just that if I wanted to work for a boss, I would have kept my real job. Uh, which was pharmaceutical sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Referencing that TED Talk earlier. Yeah. Did that kind of world prep you for DJing? Was it something you already kind of like, yo, I got this, and you just found a way to kind of go with it? Well, I mean, I've been DJing since I was a kid, but... Yeah, I mean, working in a Fortune 500 will definitely teach you how to close a sale. <laughs> definitely get you to the point of getting the yes out of your client and knowing how to negotiate your position on things that you want or things that you need out of a client or out of a, a crowd. A crowd or whatever. Yeah, it's closing, man. ABC, always be closing. <laughs> What's that? Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Ross. Glenn Ross, man. Yeah. All day long. Like, that's the same shit. Yeah. Perfect example of the shit we were just unpacking a minute ago. That's it. Close the sale, bro. Close the sale. You know, you drive that piece of shit car because you ain't closing. <laughs> you know, that shit is cold. That shit's ice fucking cold. And he was a prick about it. But that motherfucker closes. And the company called him in to wake up this sleeping bunch of salesmen who aren't getting any sales. Maybe they follow the rule of like, well, I have to play this because this is what people expect me to do and da-da-da-da, like a robot, you know? Or yeah, I wouldn't safe. go so far as to call them robots as much as I would say it's a little bit conformist to me, you know? And what's conformist about what we do? I'm not saying to go to a house club and play Biggie all night. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to pump it like that, but I'm just saying like, yeah, okay, this is a commercial place. But you mean to tell me that they're going to douse you in kerosene and set you on fire for playing one record that's not in this lawn sprinkler, hi-hat, fake drum buildup stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I'm not dissing it, but goddamn, you know, I don't want to eat cereal five meals a day. You know, I want some other food. Yeah, I want lentils. I want Please, chicken. something. Yeah. Anything with these goddamn Cheerios. You know <laughs> All the saying? time. Yeah. Well, that, that was actually, a, man, that leads me to a good question is that I've been aware of you. There has been, okay, if we trace the timeline, generally speaking about club music. There is, you know, like the hip hop of early 90s and there's the late 90s hip hop. Then we get into kind of the rise of like EDM, bottle service culture. Then we get into this kind of like trap bro kind of world. And we have this whole new era of like younger kids on the controller, 
that's the new era. You somehow be able to survive all of that without missing a step. Actually, not just missing a step, but growing. How do you survive that minefield? Was it just sand sharpie in that woodshed all the time, or what relationships, was it? man? Relationships, plain and simple. Let's say around the bottle service era of New York, do you ever feel like a big pushback? Like, fuck, I'm I'm kind of out here struggling. I'm fighting back, or was it all just like I got this? Say that again. Like Can the you? whole bottle service era of uh, New York, just in general. I'm not a participant in it. I don't have any real estate in that space. I'm not on their radar. I don't get that call. If I did, I would try my best to put some of what you know me for in that and still do what I got to do, but not like just being beholding to some blind folder that my man gives me who DJs there and he's like, oh yeah, just play all this. Like, I'm not going to do that. If I don't like it, I don't like it. If I like it, I'll play it. If it's one of those records that needs to give the room a dose of what it's used to before I got there, fine, no problem. But to just conform, I might as well go get a job. The Fortune 500 shit. Might as well go get a job. You know, I'll make more money and I'll have benefits. (laughs) 401k, all that shit. Yeah, you have coworkers. Yeah. (laughs) All the good stuff of a job. You know, I'll take guidance, you know, everywhere I go to play, I'll ask, you know, so what is tonight? Most people who book me now are like, oh, Rich, you know, just do whatever you want. I'm like, nah, fam, like, what is the party? I need to know. I don't want to walk on a football field with a basketball uniform on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I appreciate the trust you have in me, but don't set me loose like that. At least give me some parameters so I can keep the thing. You got a thing. If you tell me to come do whatever I want, that might change the complexion of your thing. If I stay in it and represent your thing and put, myself in it as the, what the relationship is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and another DJ were talking about that last night. I, I came from doing a wedding and she was saying, oh, I can't do weddings because every time I get booked, I'm always told, oh, you know, do your thing. I'll just do you. Don't worry. They'll be glad. And nine out of 10 times, every time that happens, it's just like backdrop reverse. I'll give you the keys to the cuffs. One fresh, crispy jewel. <laughs> okay, well, that's what we're here for, man. When dealing with wedding bookings in your technical rider, you need to ask the bride and groom and their parents for 15 songs apiece that they absolutely must have in their life on their special day. And you're golden. Nobody will bother you. More or less, yeah. I was able to learn that early on. I learned that this is not about me. This is not King Mo's Day. This is Jenny and Michael's big... Yeah. Or, and their aunts and their... Bridezilla, Groomzilla, La Abuela, all of that. First time in the country. Uncle Johnny that know everything about everything. All of that. Uh-huh. Yup. Everybody's Zilla. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Family Zilla. Yeah. You know, Drunk uncle at the bar overdid it. Zilla. Be a gentleman, do everything they say, take that bread and kick rocks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> get, get out your feelings. It's their feelings. Yes. Let them have their feelings. It's their day. Y'all want to be mad and pushy and aggressive on this is special. This is a special day, huh? Yeah. You put your aggressive ass. All right. <laughs> Great. Where's Charlie at? Charlie got the check, right? Great. You need right now. You want that song now? Got you. Piron quest line wide open. Let's go. You know, it's not the club disposition. It's yeah. not like chill. Let me do my job. It's more like what? How can I help you? Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Patrick. Right. Yeah. Oh, right away. Right away. Here's Rock out. here's Rolling Stones uh, or whatever. I don't whatever they want, man. And when you play those records that come from all you know, both sets of parents and both people, everybody's getting touched. They gave you their shit at some point. In a day, if you hit them in the head with their shit, 
you Michael Jordan for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Good. You just got to keep hitting that jumper. It's easy. Weddings are fun. Yeah, I love I mean, that's how that funds the operation. That's just fun <laughs> as hell. Do you still do weddings? Absolutely. For real? I just did two in the last three months. You know what's so wild? I think a lot of us are so scared and fearful to say, yo, I do weddings because there's all this crazy stigma. They think we're the guy with the tuxedo and the gloved hands and all that dumb shit. Wow, I'm so surprised you would do weddings. Absolutely. I think you're so cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, because you're so sad. Yeah, money's money. You have have that job. work. Yeah. It's work, man. That's like New Year's. Sometimes better than New Year's. Rock solid cream. It's cream in that business. And it's an in and out usually. It's a one-off. And you get fed. Get fed. Referrals. Get to get fresh. You get fresh, come through. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you go do somebody's wedding and come through proper, fresh dipped. You know, it's a motherfucker. That's a, there's a style motherfucker in his family or her family. They just going to holler at you just off the of styles. That might fuck around and be some work. Might fuck around and be a whole other connect. You just don't know. Turn that two grand into 30, 40 grand. Fuck around. You just don't know. You never know. So are you at these weddings? Are you rich Medina or you're rich Medina? You, I, I, how do they, I mean, is it really just the, uh, yeah. What's the More kind often of, than not, if I'm doing a wedding now, I'm doing a wedding for someone who's been a fan of mine for a minute or has been a long time friend of mine. More often than not. Mm-hmm. But you still got that blurred lines, Robin Thicke. Yeah, right? without a doubt. Without a doubt. They get that wobble, all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not my chamber, but wedding day, your grandmom's doing a wobble. The whole family wilding out, happy, doing the wobble. Let's go. It's fucking brilliant there. I want to hear that shit at Mighty. You know what I'm <laughs> or saying? Or Great Northern. Great Northern. Um, great yeah. Northern. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to hear that at your party. Unless it's that time and you want to hit the reboot and you got up a couple of jokes off over the night and this is your joke record of the night and we do that and that has a place then. Yes, yeah, dosage game. Man. man, I feel so much cooler and okay with doing weddings knowing that you do. Hell yeah. Get <laughs> I, I was just, money. I was just glad like, oh, yo, I, I do this to living because of weddings. Get money, John bro. does them too. A job producer, he's like, yeah, man, give me that Get twelve money. to $2,000. Let's go. Yeah. I wanted to kind of jump across to something else. I think we talked about, you know, a little bit prior about the whole idea of this topic called race. <laughs> Light topic. I think I want to connect us to your compilation that you just did. And my issue with compilations, and you might echo this, and like Amir has felt the same way, is that a lot of people that sometimes compile these compilations of music, when I say music, Brazilian music, African music, Latin music, they're not of that same culture. Mm-hmm. And so certain nuances are missed. Mm-hmm. Things are literally mistranslated. Context is different. Mm-hmm. So was that something when you did your compilation, or from now on, next time you do something like this is that in the forefront is it more just I just like this music because I think it's just absent when I see these compilations and it's always by outsiders as opposed to an insider yeah I mean you know musical taste doesn't have a race color creed in one sense but obviously you know someone functioning with a a bevy of music inside their own cultural wheelhouse yeah you're going to have nuance that a student of your culture you can't find that in a book you can't find that in so much listening it's in or it ain't you know what i mean so there is that factor but does that always translate to having a higher musical acumen not necessarily it's usually the students of it who are the people who are making the comps and there's why a question like that would even come up right as someone inside the culture and you're like well this is a latin comp but it's so linear they only did these joints or these type of joints. It's only mambo. It's only salsa. And you're looking for the spectral. Yeah. I want punta and I want you reggaeton. You want the spectral or, yeah. experience within your cultural understanding. You know, I think that that's a high standard to hold motherfuckers to. But 
I do think that there's a lot to be said in your point when it comes to range. You know, you're interested in range. You don't want Pringles. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Little Pringles is okay. Little, but with some other shit, though. Yeah. You want some fucking dip. You want some other snacky shit around it. You know what I mean? You know, shit, I'm not African. Yeah, I was about to say. For that matter. As an example, I'm not African, but I've been playing African music religiously since 1992. Religiously. You know, early. Scaring people out the fucking club with it until I figured out how to dose it. Putting out a comp, like the Jumping Funk comp, I have to represent the root of why I do the party, which is Fela Kuti. But there's a thousand Knitting Factory just reissued more Fela joints. Some of the same joints that have been reissued, a couple of new things, but you know, those records are already out there. So why would I go and put my Rich Medina Fela comp out without it being endorsed on a higher level by the family or by a, a label or a brand that's putting some type of machine behind it that makes it special compared to the other ones. But my party, I represent African music from the diaspora. Mm, mm. You know? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Samba, you're going to hear Candomblé, you're going to hear Cumbia, you're going to hear other, other forms of black tropicalia and diasporic black dance music, uncompromisingly black dance music. And that's probably what you're saying you hear in the comp is an Afro record to a house record to a kind of a nouveau broken kind of dubby vocal thing. You know, all of that represents Africa to me. You know, the whole idea of this Afro beats conversation, you know, like this new house music, basically, that the Afro beats with an S, you know, I get it. I really do. At first, I was really taken aback by it. Like, that's not Afrobeat. That's not Afrobeat. You know, I'm a purist shit. You know what I mean? On that old bitter dude shit like that. But then I was like, you know, it actually is Afrobeats, literally. Yeah. Because what Black Coffee and Kulo de Song and these other African house music DJs and producers have done is put a big old battery in the back of a whole bunch of people that like to make music and like, House, house music, you know, people forget how big Kwaito was in South Africa prior to the whole blow up of the South African house music scene. So now with this Afrobeats thing, maybe he's not in Johannesburg, maybe he's in Kenya, maybe he's in Ghana, maybe he's in West Africa, maybe he's on the Ivory Coast. But the percussion in that house music is native to their region. You know, some of it, the bata and some of those things that are always present in those African house records. It's also some of it's religious, some of it's tied to cultural things that none of us know shit about. But to me, it's basically the template of African house music and African EDM for that matter. Yeah, you know? that's another thing. I think we look at it from the lens of like underground music heads and not knowing that this is their EDM. This is their pop music sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, black folks worldwide, every off and on, we get something that we really get to celebrate that's just ours. Black folks, brown folks, people who are not of Caucasian descent of any sort. The marginalized. Yeah, them. Us. Us. Uh -huh. All of us. You know, we get these little things that we get to celebrate that are ours. For a small you know? window. And that thing right now in Africa is dance and house music. I mean, obviously there are myriad other 
outrageously positive, gigantic things happening in progressive Africa and the progressive colored areas all around the world, whether they be in what we call third world countries or in the fringes in major, you know, quote unquote, cosmopolitan countries. It doesn't matter. It's always the bellwether. You know, what always rings the bell for everybody else. That's just what it is. That's fact. That's just what the fuck it is. Yeah. And it's so funny how people at times push back about that or try to widen that gauge to, no. to yeah. I, I remember Brown the, folks make the world go round. Well, we make the girl, we build it, you know, we, we get disrespected. The world go round. You'll shit on us, but you still need us. But yet we will still keep doing it. You know, I mean, I mean I, yeah. we've been colonized a good 15 times since you and I were born, let alone all the colonizations that our parents and their parents and their parents and their parents went through. So, you know, you want to have a conversation about resiliency, whatever. We stay bouncing back off of everything. I, I even thought about patriotism, brown and black folk. You know, we've been here in different reasons, different uh, occasions, but we still keep feeding the machine. We still like show up. We still do the jobs no one wants to do. We still perform the art that inspires everyone else that you will be copied. We get shitted on, but yet we'll still be there tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to get up off your ass and go get something. We're just as American as any other American. I think we're more. I think we're more up. American because we still, like, we like I said, we still get dissed, and yet we still say, "Fuck it, let's keep doing this American thing, no matter what." Well, yeah, and and none of us is moved enough to pack up our shit and get the fuck out of here because it's so corrupt. And even if we did, the next place we went to would just be corruption in a different language, or corruption in a different climate, or corruption of a different sort. That leads to my next question. When you before we start recording, we talk about Europe, and I think Americans we kind of look at. I mean, maybe not as much as we're used to, or at least personally speaking looked up Europe as like very idealistic and oh, they're so open-minded and accepting and they are, but it's not... They're just older colonizers. <laughs> you know, America, <laughs> is, like, America is like an 18-year-old diesel bully in a room full of 60-year-old dudes that used to be the diesel bully. And they're like, fuck you, homie. Give me that shirt. I want the laces out your kicks. I want the fucking plastic wrapper off your cigarette box. You know, that's what America does to people. We walk in the room, we pop shit because we got the biggest fucking guns and we really don't give a fuck what you think. This is what we want. This is the way we want it. Do it. Roll or get rolled on. Uh -huh. And while in Europe, it's a little more subtle. Well, we are also the police of the world to a degree. Just the execution of the job of policing will make you be a dick at times. <laughs> when, when you gotta be, when you're doing your job, you know, sometimes you gotta be a dick in that position. I don't think anybody can argue with that. It's not an argument to say that police are dicks. I'm not tripping. Mm -hmm. Bear with me. <laughs> Bear with me. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. Uh -huh. you know, if you got to stop people from doing bad shit, sometimes you got to put a different face on to close the deal and to get the goddamn job done. It's just what it is, right? So there's a little bit of license that comes with that power and that pushiness because you do got the gat. You do got the badge because I said so type shit. You know what I mean? There's something to that. And we do it for the world. Some of these other places are not quite as militarized as we are, and they're dependent on our military and trade relationships and you know geopolitical ramifications and relationships that go on. They're all dependent on America in a certain way. And that marks a difference in uh, capitalism, democracy versus, you know, socialism in some European countries where 
people are easier because you could break your arm and walk in the hospital and you'll get the absolute best medical treatment on the planet for nothing, for free. You know what I mean? So there's, there's certain shit that we stress over. You know, people in certain places, they're just not thinking about that shit, you know, because of the way their medical system works. They got a cough, go to the doctor. What, 10 bucks, a little copay, take your little pills, whatever, you rocking. Here, you know. You're on your own. You got to take a motherfucking SAT just to go get your teeth fixed. <laughs> or get a loan you know to pay for that. I get a loan to pay for that. And get a loan to take the fucking Kaplan test so you can take the SAT <laughs> before you get your fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, we carry a lot of shit with us. Those of us that call ourselves, you know, I don't know, progressive or, or out here living and doing our thing, quote unquote, you know, as Americans, we got a lot of shit with us. And sometimes it's glaring. You, you go to Europe and you see Americans that haven't traveled a lot, lost in the sauce for whatever reason or thriving and having a fantastic time. You see Europeans that feel a way about Americans or you could be standing next to somebody and as soon as they hear the American accent, they're completely taken aback. You know, you see it all. You see the whole gamut, but trouble's where you find it, man. Yeah, also how you kind of uh, carry yourself too. Yeah, trouble's where you find it, bro. Yeah. You, know, you can be in a room full of people that you know forever and get knocked the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Might as well get out and just do some shit around some people that don't speak your language and try some food you didn't have and see how this shit works over here. Oh, that's different. That's interesting. Absorb it. Take it in. Bring some of that shit home with you. And hope to come back. Hope the ass back. Try to, to come back again. and... Mm-hmm. You know, get some more. I mean, I think that's kind of the whole thing. It's like when you go and traveling, you kind of, oh, I need to come back. Let me do a good enough job to return. And that kind of sometimes uh, kind of makes you overthink and gets in your head a little bit. You know, it kind mm-hmm. of mind fucks you in, in a way mm-hmm. or it kind of makes you less present. Have you ever gone overseas with that kind of attitude and been like, yo, I'm out of my element. I bombed or... Cause I think people, other previous guests have been like, yeah, I went to go play in so-so country and I sucked. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, I've had many a night, you know. You just can't find a basket, you know. There's a lid on the basket tonight, whatever. Can't do no right, you know. Got up on the wrong side of the bed. Equipment issue that either you caused or you're troubleshooting. You haven't troubleshot the situation well enough and you can't fix a mistake that's happening and it's a self-inflicted mistake and now you're just stuck in this mess that you created, yeah, it happens. Uh-huh. Does that happen to you in America? Sure. Happened anywhere, everywhere. Anywhere. No yeah. one's safe. Nobody's safe, fam. Nobody's <laughs> safe. You better be on your shit. You better be on your shit. Somebody else is. Damn. It's but, just the way it is, bro. That's the Medina Jewel. Somebody's always ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a dude out there. There's somebody out there tougher than you. Somebody out there with more endurance than you. Somebody who's smarter than you. There's somebody who might not be quite as quick and intelligent as you, but they got a way deeper gas tank and a way heavier work ethic. You know what I'm saying? Just got to pay attention, man. Just be on your shit. Be on your shit, B. That's all you can do. Yo, that's a good way of summarizing this whole Rich Medina experience. Be on your shit. Be on your shit, Is that going to be on your tombstone? Fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck around. Wait, 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 wait let's might, look. Okay, what's on your tombstone? Let's look. It's okay, it's Puzzle Tombstones or Rich Medina is... Oh, man. I, you don't do that to me. I <laughs> yeah, that. I'm trying a, to be here for a minute. I'm you will to be, be here because I say so. I'm trying but to be here for a minute. Be on your shit. Stay be in your woodshed. Yeah. Woodshed. And, uh, practice, always, practice, practice. I would say always be closing. Is that mm-hmm. better? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Always be closing. <laughs> Always be sure. closing the lifetimes yes. of Rich Medina, everyone. Get the yes from the client, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, thank you so much for your time. Love you, brother. I love I love you more, my fellow wedding DJ. Yes, sir. <laughs> Appreciate you. Yo, it. once again, Rich Medina, thank you so much for your time and the jewels. Thank you, brother. Thanks you the best. the best. The best. We the best. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Thank you, man.